Hello, fellow humans with True Crime Obsessions. Welcome back to Crime Obsessed Dog Mom. I am Michelle, the Crime Obsessed Dog Mom, with my co-host at my feet, the baby dog, Rory. Today, we're going to look at a super tragic murder of Angela Simona. Uh, without further ado, let's get it. at 3.30 in the afternoon on Sunday, the day that I'm releasing it. I have been so busy. So, so busy. So busy. Um, the last couple weekends, previous to this, we went and saw my niece, uh, the newborn that I had been talking about a couple, couple, like last week, I think. And then we, like, we went over there, right? It, we were spending like all day <laughs> so I, I wasn't getting a lot of like my housework done and I just like talked to my mom this week I was like I gotta get my, my shit together so I painted the someday nursery last weekend and there was some like weird I think it was last weekend was it I think so I don't know I think so yeah um but there was like where attic is there was this crack and I was just gonna try to fix it with you know, like a patch. Um, and then I took the, the attic door off, which is kind of a janky design and noticed that the drywall, I don't know who did it, but they tried to fix it with like packaging tape. And essentially I just like pulled on it and the whole piece of drywall fell off. Um, it was like not a huge piece of drywall, but I was like, Oh shit. So, so I ended up having to call my dad. Um, and he ended up coming over and helping, um, get it all kind of fixed up and we, we still got to like paint over there and, and sand and do some more stuff. I sanded some yesterday, but then I just, I hadn't really been cleaning. I mean, I've been cleaning the house, but it wasn't like ha at, the, at a point where I was like feeling really good about it. So I did a lot of deep cleaning this weekend. I went and swam yesterday for like an hour, and, which I love to swim. I have bad knees. I think I probably mentioned that before, but um, so I swam a little bit in the morning, uh, Gary joined me and he was kind of like working on his shoulder a little bit and yeah, so did that. And then I came home for like six hours and did stuff around my house. Um, I don't know if this is all part of my grieving process or what, but I'm just really trying to make my house a home. And I, I did a couple weeks ago, like redid our entire new guest room, painted everything, um, and yesterday I did a lot of upstairs stuff and downstairs stuff. And this even this morning, I um, used a carpet cleaner uh, that we have and deep cleaned my carpets <laughs> in my basement. Uh, it's pretty much a high traffic area and Rory had thrown up a couple weeks ago and I cleaned it, but there was like a stain and I was like, oh shit. Um, so I just needed to clean up that stain and it was nice and I tried to, do carpet cleaning like a few times a year uh if I can uh it's not hard and it's like I got, I got a Bissell thing and it works really well my in-laws bought it so that is what I did this morning then I went to the gym and did 2,000 yards of swimming which is 80 laps which is a lot um but 
my weight. Uh, you know, I, I was really proud of myself. I lost about 50 pounds and uh, I had gained a little bit back, like six or seven when I was still pregnant. Um, and then pretty much all of August, I ate like shit. Um, you know, grief is crazy. I fell back into some bad habits. Uh, I wasn't as active. I mean, for two weeks, I literally couldn't be active after um, my D&E. So it was like medically, I couldn't do anything. And I was bleeding and it was just bad. So we, um, I'm getting back into the gym, lifting some heavy weights with my trainer, which I'm attributing a little bit of to my weight gain, but I've gained about like 13 pounds or so in the last like six weeks, which is not great, but I'm going to attribute that to crazy hormone changes, right? Um, rapid changes, um, to my body. Um, you know, my body went from being pregnant to not pregnant and not, and, and all, and there was a lot of, um, just changes. I mean, I got like really bad acne and, um, you know, trauma does uh, some stuff to yeah so uh and, and like i said i just ate really badly i wasn't active and you know and, and we for three-ish months didn't really lift heavy weights i had a 40 pound weight limit and so now we're back into lifting heavy weights benching doing a lot of rows working heavy weights on my legs i was like flipping a 220 pound or i think it's like 80 kilos or kilograms for my friends that are all over the world um tire and that felt pretty cool um I felt really strong so slowly kind of trying to get back into it and eating healthier and keeping bad food out of the house but for a while it was just I was barely existing as a human so um yeah <laughs> but we're getting back to it and I do apologize this is I, I try to get out my episodes before noon uh it just didn't happen uh and, and this week at work was in Sane. Like I was working 12 to 14 hour days every single day and I'm salary, so I don't get overtime. So that sucks. Um, but essentially a project got behind partially my fault. So, um, I just worked my butt off and I got it done for the most part. And yeah, I actually did a lot of voice recording on my computer for the course. So voice of the people at Volkswagen. <laughs> so, um, but yeah, so things are getting better. I'm feeling better mentally, physically. Uh, we're just going to keep moving forward and doing the best that we can. And that's, I mean, I've, that's all I can really ask of, of my body at this point. Um, I'm hoping to, you know, lose the weight that I put on and, and continue to lose weight because I was feeling really, really good when I was losing weight. And that's actually one of the reasons I knew that I was pregnant when I was still pregnant was because I had stopped losing weight. And I was losing between a pound to two pounds a week. And then I went like three weeks. And at that point, I didn't know I was pregnant. It, I it was just wasn't losing weight. I was getting really frustrated. I was talking to my turn. I'm like, what can I do? What can I do? And he was like, well, let's try, you know, increasing some weights and doing more high, high heart rate stuff. And, um, increase your cardio and make sure you're going really hard. And I was, but I was also like really tired, but I didn't know at that time that I was pregnant. So, you know, and he was one of the first people that I told because I had to be responsible and not hurt myself, um, or hurt the baby as we know, right. We don't have to keep talking about it, but that didn't work out, um, long term, but getting better, doing better, hopefully, you are all well 
we are currently, we should break 500 downloads today, which is insane in my brain. Let me actually check right now. I was at 496 when I checked a little bit earlier. I'm going to break out the phone here. 498, we're so close. So we should get over 500 a day. Crazy, got, uh, got people all over the United States. We've got people all literally just all over the world, which is insane. Um, I mean, all over Europe, all over like the United States, the UK, just everything. So as always, I truly appreciate everything um, that y'all have been helping. You know, uh, I'm very, very excited, very thankful that you are all here listening. Um, thanks for those that listened to my not so good update. Um, because hey, here we are, right? So we are back at it. Um, and today we are going to cover Angela Samota, Samoto, Samota. I keep messing up the name, but I apologize. RIP. Um, but Angela or Angie, she goes by Angela or Angie. Uh, Marie Samoda was born in 1964, same time around my parents, September 19th, 1964 in uh, Almeida, California, but she actually grew up in uh, Amarillo, Texas, which is a really cool place, by the way. Uh, she after, did the whole high school thing, ended up at Southern Methodist University in Dallas, Texas, um, and she was part of the Zeta Tau Alpha sorority while she was there and was studying computer science and electrical engineering. And we love a woman in science. So that was really awesome. And I'm sure that was like super innovative at the time because I wouldn't think that people, you know, in the 80s and stuff, I think that was something that women really specifically were just starting to kind of get into. So, um, on the night of October 12th, 1984, so she was 20 at this time, Angela and her two friends, um, Anita Cadela and Russell Buchanan, uh, they all went to the state fair in Texas, which I'm assuming is massive. Uh, Texas, for those that don't know, is like a giant state, huge. Um, I mean, it can take like, like a million hours to get across that state. So, um, and I've driven through a lot of uh, Texas before when we went down there. Um, but uh, Anita, or I'm sorry, Angela had a boyfriend at the time, but she, he didn't actually join them um, because he was working in construction at the time and said he had to get up early the next morning, which makes sense. And so the free, three of them um, ended up at the Rio Room. It's a dance club. And they stayed up there until about after midnight, which is like pretty normal for we're going out when you're in your 20s and stuff um and according to a testimony later on um she was going angela was going from table to table talking to you know, she just knew everyone right and we i feel like we all know that person they just know everyone they see everyone they're just really friendly everything so she's just one of those people that she just knew everyone so afterwards uh she drove uh anita and Russell back to their homes, uh, first dropping off Russell about one uh, at his apartment. And it was only, it's like a five minute walk from her condo. Um, and then ended up taking home uh, Anita as well. And the, uh, Russell said that um, as soon as he went, he went to bed, 
fell asleep as soon as he got home. She, Angela, ended up going to her boyfriend's apartment to say goodnight and return to her place, which I guess is, I don't know, that just feels weird to me to drive all the way over there like that early because he has to get up early the next day. But who am I to judge? I don't know what kind of relationship they had. Um, so ended up going over there saying goodnight. Boyfriend ended up saying, um, it was like 1.45 when he got a call from Angela. Um, she told him there was a, uh, a man outside, uh, like around her, her, at her condo. Um, and he had asked to use the phone and the bathroom. Um, she didn't know the man. Um, and he was like there already when she got home and she allowed him to come in. She was just like a nice person. She's like, yeah, of course you can use my bathroom and, and you can, you know, um, use my phone. That's fine. And, um, she ended up, Angela reportedly said to her boyfriend, talk to me. And then she would call right back and hung up. Uh, when she didn't call back, boyfriend got worried, obviously phone and phone and, and uh, nobody was answering. Um, so he being a good boyfriend, right? Drove to the condo. Um, but he knocked and there was no response. Um, door was locked. He had, um, a very, very early generation of like a cell phone, um, that they had given him as part of his job at the construction place. So he called information, uh, and they connected him to the police. Um, police officers got there at about 2.17 a.m. and broke through the door. Um, unfortunately, they, and this is, I mean, right, boyfriend um, at 1.45, that's when she called, right? 1.45. They're in there 32 minutes later, and she's dead. So this all happened, from my understanding, that made me feel like that's pretty fast. They broke down the door. They found her dead body. Um bloody and naked on the bed there was like a teddy bear on the bed I, I was looking at some like crime scene photos and I was blurred out obviously um and so that was probably like a gift from somebody um it was pretty obvious that she had been raped um and suffered multiple stab wounds uh wounds um somebody uh, a Dallas patrol officer said it was like she had been butchered um and the stab wounds were to her, a lot of them were to her heart area. And there was another officer, I was watching a video, and it says it when she walked in and saw the body, it was like her heart was outside of her chest. Like, that's how brutally the, the stab wounds had been. So investigators surveyed, preserved the crime scene. The one guy went into the bathroom. Um and was like checking to see if somebody was in the shower and saw that whoever was in there cleaned up because there was like blood and water inside the bathtub. Like they said they couldn't see any kind of forced entry. So Angela had clearly just opened up the door and uh, they ended up talking to the boyfriend. His name was Ben, by the way. And he had waited outside the residence um, and had confirmed that yes, he had stayed in that night uh, since he did have to get up early the next day. An autopsy revealed that Angela had been stabbed 18 times. One wound penetrated her entire body, all the way from the front of her body to the back of her body. That's insane. Like, that's a lot of force. Just think about the bone and the muscle and just all of the structures in your body 
to stab so hard that it literally went through someone's entire body. That's insane to me. So like a lot of rage. Uh, that's just increased to me. So um, there was semen found uh, at, uh, because she had been sexually assaulted and analysis was done on the semen and it showed that the the perpetrator, whoever did it, um, was a non-secretor who which refers to a person's blood typing subsystem. So they continue to interview Ben, the boyfriend, and he refused to take a polygraph, but, which is sus, but this will come back later too. Um, polygraphs are not 100% um, because they go off like your heart rate and stuff. And like me, I have a lot of anxiety. Like my blood pressure is up when I go to the doctor. I don't have blood pressure issues normally, but I have anxiety when I go to the doctor. So it is what it is. But he did agree to give a DNA swab to determine if he was a secretor or a non-secretor. Um, they had no evidence, obviously, to connect him to the crime. So they did pursue, like, other angles um, while they were waiting for those results. So they did reach out to Anita and Russell, the people, you know, last people that had, you know, seen her. Uh, Anita came in for an interview and said... Nothing had happened that night that would have concerned her. Um, about five days later, on the 17th, Russell, who immediately went out of town, which I feel feels sus, but we'll see, um, met uh, with investigators. What he said, what matched what Anita had said um, the night that Angela was killed. Um, like we had said, Russell lived like five minutes from Angela's condo and police did learn that he did have romantic feelings from her, uh, for her. So, you know, they're trying to figure out motive, right? They're trying to say, oh, did he do it? I don't know. So, but he also, he also gave a saliva sample and he took a polygraph, um, and he was asked if he had killed Angela. He said, no, pass the test. Russell told the police that actually there was another SMU student who he claimed was infatuated with Angela. The person, they don't name, I couldn't find this person's name, uh, admitted to police that he had feelings for Angela um, and knew that they were not reciprocated. But the night of the crime, he said he was out of town with the family, but he also agreed to give a saliva sample. Analysis of the saliva samples eliminated Ben, her boyfriend, as a suspect, but did show that Russell and the other person of interest were non-secretors. Uh, investigator stuff would kind of kept looking at them just you know they just kept digging deeper to see if either of them you know was the person they were looking for the other person of interest once again I, I couldn't find their name uh they had a really strong alibi um so the police they kind of ended up just turning turning their heads to russell uh, and his polygraph so they continued they kind of took a deeper look at the polygraph and it the result of his test uh had been changed from truth to deceptive Heeding advice from his, his lawyer, he ended up refusing to take another polygraph. Uh, he did, uh, did remain a suspect, but they didn't have any evidence to, to try him for murder. Unfortunately, lack of evidence in Leeds, the test, nothing happened in this case. Uh, stayed in limbo for 20 years. Um, and during that time, as we all know, DNA technology evolved. And it's evolved a lot and i feel like there's a lot of cold cases that are now being solved because we have the technology to be able to look at these dna samples that we could never do 
So um, eventually a cold case unit was established in Dallas uh, in 2006. So this is 22 years later. Uh, a Dallas police officer, or detective, I'm sorry, uh, Linda Crum used the DNA from blood, semen, and fingernail samples left at An uh, Angie or Angela's murder scene to try to find a match in a pre-existing criminal records, CODIS, all the cool, cool stuff you've probably heard about in other podcasts or on crime TV or any of that stuff. Uh, in 2008, um, the name Donald Andrew Bess Jr. popped up. And this man, slimy. He, he, like, I don't like to judge people too much on their looks, but he ugly. <laughs> Uh, at the time of uh, the brutal slaying of Angela, he was on patrol, uh, par parole while serving a 25-year sentence for aggravated sexual assault and aggravated kidnapping. So he was on parole when, when she had been killed. At the time, in 2008, when his, his DNA came back, he was already in jail again, serving a life sentence for another unrelated rape, assault, and kidnapping case. And the DNA evidence was a perfect match to his. So the detectives uh, working this case ended up interviewing da uh, Donald and he said that he, he had never hurt any of his victims. Bitch, you fucking assaulted them. You kidnapped them. You fucking hurt them. Just, just saying, okay? Um, but then he asked if their visit had something to do with Dallas and and they he just shut the interview down at that point. So they did dig deeper. Investigators dug deeper into Donald's past and he had been released on parole in March 1984. So he was out and visited Dallas around the time that all of this happened. So eventually the police pieced together what had gone down that night in October. Uh they theorized that Donald spotted Angela, targeted her, and made his way into her home asking to use the bathroom and the phone. And her, being a nice human that she was, let him in. He obviously, right, this, he appears to be a serial rapist. Um, and he had been arrested numerous times for having abused countless women. So he... Um, he ended up taking the stand in 2010 for the the rape and murder. Several women, including his ex-wife, testified against him. The trial of the rape and murder, it lasted four days. The, uh, they had the evidence, right? It was pretty, pretty black and white. The defense argued, um, stupid, I hate this. It's so, such victim blaming. The defense argued that Angela had dressed risque flirted a lot at the bar and that any man could have followed her home which is just victim blaming and that is literally you should be able to wear whatever you want out and not have to worry about being sexually assaulted or harassed or anything like that i have been sexually harassed before and i was literally wearing a hoodie and 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 pants and blue jeans and i was at a fucking charity event and there was this old man that thought it was funny to just be able to hit me on the butt repeatedly with a broom. I thought it was funny. It was like, ha, 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 no. And I told him to stop, but I'm also a very polite person and I wasn't being super forceful. Did that happen? I was maybe 20 years old. I was scared. I didn't really know. And I didn't really 
kind of put two and two together, but this is not about me, it's about Angela. But victim blaming, this does happen to people all the time, regardless of the, what they're wearing. You should be able to wear whatever you want. And people should just leave you alone. I go to the gym every day. There are people that in there that dress with very tight clothing. That's fine. And I'm sure, and I've seen things where they get hit on. Leave them the fuck alone. Leave them alone. I do not wear the tight clothes because I'm not that confident in my body. But also leave me alone. Leave people alone. Let them do their thing. If someone's at the bar and they're getting drunk. That doesn't mean that you. That doesn't give you the permission to go and find them and try to make them have sex with you or something like that. No. That is sexual assault, consent. People need to consent. And I doubt that he ugly. I'm just, I'm just saying. There ain't no way she would have went for this. And she had a boyfriend. No, no, bad defense. So, the, the defense bad. <laughs> On the account of all statements, DNA evidence, he was found guilty uh, uh, by the jury. Um, I think it was like, few hours like they didn't take very long to to convict him at all so he was sentenced uh so i said my mic sorry about that guys um he was sentenced to receive the death penalty um following the verdict he tried to appeal it several times but they all ended up being rejected he is like in his 70s now um and he's in uh, incarcerated at the hospital. Oh my gosh, I keep hitting my, this is why I talk with my hands and I hit my mic. I'm sorry for your ears. Um, we're almost towards the end, so I feel bad. Um, he's incarcerated at the hospital Gavelson, Gavelson unit in Texas. Uh, he's still on death row. Um, and, but no execution date has been set for him, but I hope that when he is executed, he goes to the deepest, darkest, hottest part of hell and get stabbed in the heart a million million times until his heart comes out of his body and that just keeps happening to him all the time because he's a bad boy bad man ugly too so that's all i have for you tragic tragic stop victim blaming people they should people should be able to wear whatever they want wherever they want be themselves and not have to worry about anything bad happening to them and that goes for then and now because it makes me very sad but thank you all sincerely for tuning in. Uh, we're going to break 500 downloads today, which is insane. Uh, I would have never imagined when I started all of this just four or four and a half months ago that this is where we'd be. And, uh, you know, I know 500 is not like 5 million or, you know, what I'm sure other big podcasts uh, get. But regardless, um, I'm very thankful for all of you that continue to tune in. We're strong, but small, but mighty. Um, if you are new, subscribe. Leave me some. Uh, leave me some feedback on any of the platforms. DM me if you want to. Uh, you can find me on Crime Obsessed Dog Mom. Pretty much on all the platforms. TikTok. Uh, I just posted a TikTok of me recording this. I, I lost the stand that I was gonna put my phone on so I could do like my hand movements so that you could see my hands while I was recording. But then, like I said, I lost, I don't know what happened. I think I might've accidentally thrown it away. But maybe I shouldn't use my hands as much because I kept popping the, keep, I kept hitting my uh, 
filter today, so maybe don't use my hands as much. Um, but follow me on all of the things. Send me a Gmail. It's uh, co dog mom. Uh, yeah, yeah, co dog mom uh, at gmail.com. Follow me on all of the things. I appreciate you t tuning in. Stay true crime obsessed. Hug on your animals. Hug on your everything. And uh, we'll talk to you all next week because we are going to try to get back to weeks. One week. Bye. Bye.